Today's guest is Evie, who runs Smart With Money. This is going to be a conversation about what it means to be an entrepreneur and navigate through the fears of instability and self-discipline that is required to be an entrepreneur. And it just so happens to be a CPA who early on in his career had had a dream of being in finance and sales. Only to find sales may not have been a strong suit per se. However, when I spoke with Evie, it seemed like it was pretty straightforward, pretty honest, and had a clear grasp of assessment when it came to working with his business partners and his clientele. So it just seems that CPA was the path for him. But this conversation is filled with insights, especially as a business owner and entrepreneur. You're going to want to hear it straight from a CPA, not only on best practices, but EB used to run and manage the numbers for large organizations. We're talking Fortune 500, if you will, right? On that level. So to bring that lesson and that learning over down to the everyday digital entrepreneur or business owner or brick and mortar uh, on Main Street instead of Wall Street, you're looking at a conversation that's going to leave you better off than had you not listened to it. That much I can guarantee. So without further ado, EB of Smart With Money. Okay, I'm stoked. Uh, you know, it's the end of the year and I think we have the perfect guest on here. It's EB uh, from Smart With Money. How you doing today, man? Thank you. Thank you, Phil. You prefer Phil up or? Yeah, yeah. I, I, either way is cool, man. Phil, my friends call me Phil. <laughs> All right, <Bill. laughs> Yeah, man. No, I'm I'm really stoked to have you on, especially in a time. I mean, we like to make this evergreen, but right now, more than ever, the word entrepreneur is being thrown around, and a lot of people are getting into business, probably not in the best of ways, right? And while we have that entire thing where maybe their paperwork isn't in order, you know, and this is what you do, we also have people who maybe just in general aren't managing their money that well and are thinking of becoming business owners, right? And then finally, the ultimate here, we have people who have flourishing businesses, but that doesn't always mean that their books are in order, right? So I'd like to tackle all three of these if we can in this conversation. But uh, at the same time, I think it's important to give people background on what makes you the person to be able to speak on this. Now, from what you were telling me, and I promise I'm getting to it here, uh, from what you were telling me, life wasn't always good and you weren't always smart with money as your company is now. Is this accurate? Right. Yes, it's accurate. Okay. Do you remember the moment you decided, I've got to be smart with money and really committed to it? You know, what? growing up, I always saw my dad work hard um, and I, I, I know that basically um, we went through some additional financial challenges because being an immigrant, he didn't know as much about credit and managing money and savings, emergency funds, um, you know, spending things like that as much as um as much as there is to know, basically. So he, he, there was some room for improvement there. And I'm very thankful for growing up in, in uh, middle class in a nice suburb and all of that good stuff. Um, I, I got my drive and my hustle from my dad and my mom, my parents. They side hustled and entrepreneurs at some level um, from a good chunk of my life with them. So, um, you know, I appreciate the emphasis on business enterprise from them. Um, however, once I was about in high school and starting um, first year of college, I, I, I realized that um, personal finance is very important. It's not taught in grade school and high school. Everyone, you know, says we should learn a lot more personal finance things in, in grade school. You know, rather than like Pythagorean theorem and all that, which is good, but you know, um, there could be some more practical financial literacy in, in school growing up. So, um, you know, I used to read a bunch about um, investors. I read a bunch of books from uh, you know 
Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, Benjamin Graham, et cetera, about trading stocks. Um, and I was actually more passionate about finance. Um, uh, so it's like, how did I become a CPA and accountant if I wanted a career in finance? Um, basically, uh, in finance, if you want to have a good lifestyle as a financial advisor, you have to be a good salesman. And I, I wasn't a good enough salesman. So um, it's a lot easier to sell uh, CPA and accounting services, which I'm well qualified for. I went to a top school for accounting, University of Illinois Champaign, graduated in 2009. Um, and then I worked for some million and billion dollar companies um, as one of the many accountants to learn how the most established firms um, keep track of their books and records. And I can right size that or I, I can bring, you know, my experience to the small business owner. Of course, a lot of the stuff that the biggest companies do might not make sense for them, but um, a lot of a lot of the policies and procedures and processes for how they grow that does make sense for them, um, small business owners. So I help. I felt many small businesses grow, um, and you know, I, I took my business to the next level during the pandemic, um, learning a ton about the stimulus programs and enabling small business owners to legitimately um, apply for them and manage the resources um, to grow their business. Right on. Okay, so it was during the pandemic that you really decided, I got to grow this thing beyond where mm -hmm. it's at right now. Um, and we didn't get a chance to cover that, right? But uh, you did mention, so you, you had good influences growing up. Uh, but at, at, at what point did you say to yourself, I've got to actually get some training on this? Did you have any evidence in your life of like, it's not going the way I intended it to before the training? Um, you know, I understand what you're saying. You, you know, honestly, I was... I was always known as being good with money, saving, and, and things like that. Like, why did I go broke in 2014? Because I was working 100% for myself, and I had a condo, uh, an infinity um, sports car, and wh whatever I had. They, what I learned is um, multiple streams of income is very important, and not leaving your corporate job prematurely. I think I had about $10,000 saved when I left. Um, thinking, oh, yeah, I'll make sales. I can cover several months of bills with this. Um, and then, you know, I leave when I, in 2023, when I um, stopped basically side hustling my corporate job and, and started 100% working for myself, I had a lot more saved, a lot more money already coming in on a, you know, subscription basis, basically. Um, but, you know, the whole kind of go for broke, um, you know, leave your job, you got some money saved, it's going to light a fire on you to make a certain amount of sales. Um, so make sure you're a great salesman, you know, and, and I, I, you know, it's good to be humble and to take life lessons. And so I, I just learned, like, I wasn't good enough at selling investments and insurance to, to run my own show. I see. Now I put the connection together. Yeah, that's one of those things where people often underestimate the psychological impact of no longer having safety, uh, especially when you're first starting out. You think, yeah, I'll just double down on sales. And then you spend most of those days waking up realizing, oh my gosh, I have no idea where it's going to come from. And then you have to overcome that hurdle. And then you have to make sure you're a good boss yourself just because you can do the work doesn't mean you're also a good boss to yourself. I, a lot of those factors come into play and I, and, and I love that you address that. Uh, but then it sounds like you ended up actually putting yourself in a position for success. And during the pandemic and all that time, you really started doubling down on all the programs that were available and making yourself available as a resource. Now, that positioning of being helpful and being of service with your offering as opposed to what I want to get at is sometimes, especially in business, uh, it's easy to take money from people, but it's not necessarily the same as being able to deliver on stuff. Did you, did you come across that? Um, well, you definitely have to hold yourself accountable. Uh, your biggest, 
lead source in a way as, uh, you know, referrals, right? Um, so when you do a good job for someone and you deliver as promised, or maybe you over-deliver, right? Um, you having good reviews online, um, a lot of, you know, um, larger companies that I wouldn't have expected, multi-millions in revenue, you know, they found me online and they said they liked the reviews as the start of the conversation. But, um, you know, it, it all starts with, like you said, um, not when you get paid. Um, I like to get the process started very soon. Like even if I'm already booked, um, you know, there's someone who paid for 2023 tax prep, you know, a new client, right? And, um, you know, I send it to my assistant and get them like all of the checklists and onboarded about right away, you know, even though, you know, we're still in 2023. So they don't even have their profit and loss and balance sheet. And, and you know, we are limited with how much work we can't file their taxes now, is no matter how much we wanted to. <laughs> but just for them to see that, okay, they didn't just pay me and I'm just, oh, thanks. We'll get, we'll get around to you. You know, communication and showing your prospects or your clients' uh, progress is very important. Like we've all been that customer who's calling in, has a complaint or a question or a problem, wants to communicate with the business, and like you either get in the runaround or you're not getting any closer to your solution, right? And that's very frustrating. So I'm highly sensitive to uh, being responsive and getting the ball rolling and consistently progressing um, to deliver to the clients. To that's big. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's big, man. And so then uh, when you started building up this repertoire of reviews and people are seeing your work and you're starting to get that, um, I think in the E-Myth, where they sort of talk about how if, all businesses have to grow. Like if you're, you're either growing or you're dying, right, in business. Right. So you start reaching this point where you're scaling really high. What was that moment like for you where you started realizing I have more work than I actually know what to do with? You know what? It was um, pretty much this year. Um, I mean, so in 2014, when I left my job prematurely um, and then I got back and it's funny um, that, that uh, October, I ended up uh, taking a job as a staff accountant, entry level accountant for a deluxe corporation, I think. And it paid less than my internship, my accounting internship that I, my first accounting internship that I got years before actually paid a little more than this, you know, full-time job that I had to get after my business failed, right? So um, I decided to get my CPA. I, I got my, earned my CPA in 2017, bunch of studying, you know, I had my 40 hours a week in my regular job. And then um, I was studying about 15 hours a week. For like a year and a half. So um, wow. just I kept that momentum going of um, extra 15 hours a week per, of work, which was studying at first to earn my CPA, pass exams. Then I passed them. I said, you know, I'll side hustle my own practice starting in 2017. And I was scared to leave again. You know, I have a, two kids and a wife, you know, so um it's a lot easier to leave your corporate job when it's just you and your parents. You know, I was blessing that they they did bail me out um, to get back on my feet. My mom gave me a loan. My dad gave me some money flat out. Um, but I, I paid my mom back. Um, and then, you know, my, my dad, um, he, you know, he just, he understood. He encouraged me to actually take the leap to begin with. So he was cool. Um, but I know not everybody has a support system, so I'm thankful for that. Um, and then fast forward to earlier this year, you know, some personal stuff. Uh, last year, lost some family members um, without getting too deep. Um, but yeah, my mom did pass away a year ago, December. And I couldn't even, you know, take time off to mourn. You know, my corporate job, I could take time off. But like um, my business, um, like I just had too much work 
and I have, you know, a part-time assistant. I have like three or four other accountants that work part-time for me as well. Um, but even with me delegating as much as possible, like the amount of work I personally have to do on top of my normal job was just like really overwhelming. I felt like I was drowning. And I, and I realized, you know, financially it, it was much different, you know, um, than nine years earlier when I was scared to leave my corporate, well, when I left my corporate job and it didn't work out. This time, you know, it, it, there was a, a long time before I would run out of money if I didn't make another sale. Um, and I, there was monthly income that at least paid what my corporate job paid anyway, you know, that I earned from my um, business. So basically it was in the budget and I was thinking about it over the past probably like eight, nine months. Oh, maybe if I hit this number consistently every month and I'll leave. Meanwhile, I have savings and different kind of assets and things like that. But it was like, um, it was very scary to leave when, when I have a wife and two kids. Um, my daughter actually wasn't born yet until after I left my corporate job. But you, you get the point. You have yeah. to be a lot more responsible as a husband and father. Um, but yeah, when when did it grow to the point where, you know, what, what would I say to entrepreneurs? If your service level is slipping, you know, if you're missing things, like if, you know, there's a, a client that has a big audit and you and I gave it to you know, one of my um, contractors that I work with accountants and then I use, you know, I review everything and like they left so many loose ends. By the time I'm reviewing everything, I have to do everything, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, um, I don't even have time to 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 do everything. No matter if I just work 24 seven, you know, it still wasn't just so many to do's on the to do list and people dropping the ball and. So um, when you almost are too busy to even juggle both and you have the money coming in and you have, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, six months or a year of income saved or whatever, um, then then it makes sense to, to leave. Because if you keep trying to hold on to both, then now your 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 service will be worse because you you'll be missing stuff and you, you can't get everything done. So now all those reviews I talked about will start being bad if, if I didn't focus, you know? Um, so that's the key word. I don't know when it's time to really focus. And, um, and it, it's, it's, I wish I could just give a nice clean answer. Oh, when you got X amount of dollars, but it's a gut thing, especially if you tried to leave your job before and you've had to go back to work very, yeah. at a very, you know, entry level rate. You know, it's humbling. You know, I remember being on an interview in 2014 and someone looking at me and they said, you have a finance and accounting degree from U of I, you know, um, which in our area in Illinois is one of the top state schools um, and for accounting, especially. But in there, and I was just like, I need the job, you know, it's the entry level accounting job, but it was, it was, you know, I feel like when I look at, when I listen to a lot of entrepreneurs, um, story of, of their growth, there are definitely some humbling moments in their, in their journey. Um, but I use that to guide me at this point, you know, to understand like, okay, it may be good now, but don't, get too comfortable. Don't get complacent. Don't think I can rest on my laurels um, and still have that same um, drive as I did when I didn't know if it would ever be this big, you know? Um, and I still have that day one mentality to kind of borrow from Jeff Bezos. But that day one, like, I don't know if it's going to work out. Let me do everything in my power to make it successful. Like if, if you wake up like that every day, almost like a hungry lion in your business. Um, and, and you know, you're not hunting, but you are, you have a sense of urgency to make sales and to deliver, um, almost like, you know, to use a metaphor, you know, like the hungry lion has to, work his butt off to, to make sure he gets something to eat, 
you you gotta wake up every day, no matter how much money you have in your bank or how much assets you have, and you gotta be hungry to to progress your business that day. Yeah, man. No, this is this is awesome. And now now that we've set the precedent for sort of your journey, where you've been, what that's looked like. I'd love to now go into um, what it is you can do for entrepreneurs and business owners, right? Because now we understand that you know the ropes, you know what they're going through, right? They also may be dealing with a bunch of emotional issues in their personal life. And on top of that, their books aren't looking that good and they have no idea what the story of their business is, right? So how often is that the case for you when people come to you? Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. A lot of times people are almost um, shy about their books not being done or how many years back in taxes they're behind. And I tell people, you know, there's been someone I had to file seven years of tax returns for, you know, and I've seen it all. You know, I'm not going to say, well, you know, wow, your books aren't done. What's wrong with you? Like, you're irresponsible. I never say something. I don't I don't think that. But I, what I could feel you know, I don't read a lot about emotional intelligence and I can sense like, I, I guess where the entrepreneur is coming from. Like you said, um, they know that everything, all their um, T's are not crossed and their eyes dotted and they're nervous. So like, are you going to judge them or is it going to be some uh, huge price or complex process to fix everything? And I like to tell them, you know what, this is... Um, a very, you know, this is a very simple routine um, fix for me. I want you to be confident that, you know, everything will work out fine. And, and I'll show you um, that your books will be in order. You'll be able to um, go to a lender if you need to. Um, <clears throat> and that's how I stand out. Um, that's how I differentiate from other CPAs. Um, by learning from business credit for it, basically, um, by knowing a lot about how uh, the different sizes of businesses can, can get uh, funding um, and having a lot of experience getting business funding myself. You know, like I tore this up because I don't need the funds, but I get mail. Um, it's, I don't know if you can see this, but it says get up to a million dollars in business funding and I get these kind of uh, loan offers and all that or things all the time because I've I've gotten, you know, I've I've applied for funding. Um and I my my business credit is um at the you know the top or whatever they call it. So um it is a prime business credit. And so, um, and I could show any client who was interested in that. I could log into nav.com and show them, you know, my, my paydex score or whatever, right? But if if there's a, someone who has an option to go with two different CPAs, a business owner, and they think, hey, I might um, want to know more about my funding options for getting business loans from different um, financial institutions if needed to grow and expand. Um, that's not something that a lot of CPAs know a lot, a lot about. And even if they read about it, do they have experience actually, um, getting the loans for them for themselves and for other businesses, you know, over millions, over, you know, a million dollars altogether between what they get other businesses and themselves and, you know, so I just have a lot of experience with helping businesses get funding. And I know like what the banks will ask for, um, the format of everything and how, you know, to make sure everything's legitimate and favorable for the business um, to accomplish the goals. Yeah, man. No, it's good to know that you have that differentiation with you because anytime you can get a business partner, on top of the service they're providing for you, meaning someone who cares about your bottom line, what you're doing about it, how you can expand it, it's always going to be the right choice. Uh, I remember myself working in marketing and part of the reason why the agency I was at was 
chosen over others had a lot to do with how much interest we took in their business model and what they were doing for their business to make sure it stayed alive, right? And so that's that's really cool to hear that that's just a hallmark of a good offering, a good product solution, but more importantly, of a good business to be working with is that the owner takes an interest in the survivable the survivability, sorry, of your business. Uh, not just doing your numbers, getting paid for it and going, all right, good luck, right? But saying, how can we make sure you stay alive, right? <laughs> that, that, Absolutely. That, that in itself is so important. I used to get excited reading about business case studies in college. You know, we have business strategy class and it's a 400 level, you know, business College of business class, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, we got this assignment. Let me just get through it. And I mean, you know, he gives us the work and it's like, how did this huge company, you know, handle this crazy, you know, situation, waste management or Enron or companies without, you know, scandals? Like, how do they get to the next level? Um, you know, Amazon, how did Amazon um, go from uh, 10 years of about of losses to to one of the most successful stocks ever and things like that. Like I could, you know, read about that instead of going to a party, you know? So when I see a business owner um, and I, I, you're right, I absolutely want their business to succeed. And it's almost like a puzzle. It's almost like a challenge for me. You know, if they are bringing in revenue and they, they're growing revenue, especially um, then, you know, there's a lot to work with there, um, to get them to the, the next level of, uh, success or, um, that they're looking for, uh, if, if they need money for marketing or, you know, things like that, like I can, that's another conversation, but I, I could talk about like dropping money for marketing, getting business funding to run marketing programs. Some of it, you know, just ten thousand dollars. I didn't get a dollar back from running that campaign, or but then I learned how to tweak it for the next time, and now it's rolling. You know, um, so you're right. I have a passion for business. You know, um, I'm much more than a traditional bean counter accountant. I mean, I'm a CPA, obviously, but beyond that, I have a passion for um, business. Uh, and I think it, it, like you, you put it, you, um, you hit the nail on the head saying, you know, um, if the entrepreneur can feel like they have a partner in their business who happens to be their CPA, their accountant. Um, but I have a passion and excitement for their business to succeed. And, um, you know, I, when I'm going through their numbers and I can compare how much they spent on, you know, marketing or supplies or whatever less month or the average for the, the past few months and where it's at now. Um, is there more revenue? Is there more profit? Like what are the drivers and how, where's the money going? What has changed? Is is it working better for you or worse? What what are the, the changes that we should make to, to make your business more successful from looking at, at the financial statements and thinking about the business strategy overall and what your options are. I love this. I think it's a perfect time to now speak to the small business owners, right? Specifically, uh, because no one faces more taxes and costs uh, as regulations change, as the code changes, as the economy changes than the small business owner. I'm talking about the, the liquor store owner, right? I'm talking about the dry cleaner owner. The, the list goes on in that category of owners who sit there and wonder why Uncle Sam wants all of their money all the time and leave them nothing for them, their family, and the growth of their business, right? Uh, when it comes to situations like that, how often have you worked with those types of clients, whether it's the same industry or maybe something adjacent or similar in terms of its level, right? And what are some things that you often find yourself needing to remind them of practicing good financial hygiene for their business, if you will? Great. So not mixing business and personal is a big one. You know, it's easy. I've done that before where um, basically, um, who knows, maybe you book a vacation or which you, and you choose the wrong credit card or whatever. But 
Um, you don't put that on the financial statements. You can move that to the owner's equity from money that came out of own business owner's pocket. That's not a write-off, right? But my point is, is like um, a lot of times you're right. Business owners feel overwhelmed, you know, with, okay, they got sales tax if they're selling products. They got uh, payroll tax. They get, you know, the payroll tax is one word for really about five different taxes that are split up, you know, FICA, you know, unemployment insurance, et cetera, state unemployment insurance, federal unemployment insurance, you know. Um, so a lot of times um, they do feel overwhelmed and then they, they, they don't understand that when you are compliant and, you know, if you are subject to sales tax and you filed your sales tax returns and you paid your sales tax or if you know, have employees and put them on the payroll, get your payroll filed. You know, some of these things are simple, but I think the gap, what what the difference is, is, um, you know, I, I have alerts on like grants and loans and things like that. Um, so I can see like, um, there's a lot of opportunities for business owners. Yes, there's a lot of regulation and um, taxes and et cetera. But America, um, you know, even thinking about the PPP, the ERC program, the EIDL loan, there's a reason that the, the Congress and the government rolls out all these programs for small business, small business. And there are um, there's almost always a new one. And even if it's not from the government, then there's banks and financial institutions or even. Um, there's benefactors um, who want to to uh, provide grants for businesses. So all that to say, one of the biggest parts of um, yes, getting those opportunities, one of the biggest pieces uh, to uh, or most important pieces um, for getting those opportunities um, is to have, you know, your books in order um, and to be aware of them and um, to have your business credit also um, established. So um, this is, it's a lot for a business owner. I don't want to get too technical, but you know, if they find the right person who, you know, I'd be happy to help, but if they, they can ask me any questions um, and they feel like, okay, this person is knowledgeable and as experience, this is a good bet, you know, to trust this person, but verify, you know, that they will, you know, deliver. Um, and we can, you know, speak every month or some once a quarter. Um, but, you know, the business owner has to find the right person, person and um, have their policies uh, just run the organization in a way that's beneficial. There's some business owners who don't want to put everybody on payroll, you know, some struggling restaurants. Um, and then they'll find out about a restaurant grant. Oh, can you help me get this? And it's just like, I, I want to get it for you, but we might have to, you know, go for the next one. Or, you know, because they're going to say, um, can we see your payroll tax returns? And you don't have payroll tax returns because everybody's getting paid cash. You know, and I'm not going to condemn you, but I'm and say, oh, why'd you do that? But I'm going to say, um, you know what? Let's make sure you can get the next one. You know, and this is how. Yeah. No. I, again, that level of transparency is going to be essential for a working relationship between the CPA and the business owner, right? And like you said, often there'll be sort of, for lack of a better term, trepidatious, if you will, right? Like, I don't know if I want to tell the whole story. Sometimes they might even make up a story when you know that's not the story, but you look the other way because you know at the end of the day, more often than not, especially business owners, tend to be very hardworking, good people, just don't understand the systems in place, didn't get the right help at the right time. And often are just at a loss by the time they come to you. So a level of empathy uh, goes a long way. And Absolutely. yeah, then being able to have the candor to say, that's a great idea. We'll have to catch the next one. It's super important to have somebody set them up for success, right? So if you weren't set up for success before, 
working with the right CPA and partner will help you do that. And hopefully it's a mutual beneficial growing relationship over time. Now, do you do you have your operation set up so that you can grow, uh, work multi-state or is that the next phase of what you're doing? Yes, absolutely multi-state. Um, clients in North Carolina, California, Texas, New York, um, Georgia, you know, all over really, except like Maine, Wyoming, New Hampshire, nothing like that. But um, if they, you know, want to, if they have a video call, you know, if they can hop on a Zoom, if they have their accounting in the cloud, um, QuickBooks Online, a lot of people, you know, they don't, most companies, they have their accounting um, online, but it's very easy to um, work across state lines. Now, um, what what happens I'd say sales tax sometimes is a challenge, like getting up to speed. I had a, a client move from Chicago to Florida and um, we had to learn, uh, you know, Florida, you just register them with the Florida sales uh, department of revenue and just get them up to speed on their unemployment um, insurance out there and everything. But, you know, once you understand the language of the, the legalese and uh, the tax departments um, uh, of all the states. It's that's what I say is one of the best benefits of the CPA. I mean, no one's going to remember everything with you know off the top of their head. Um, but for us to be stretched that much to learn that much complex information and demonstrate it, our understanding, you know, to be grilled on it, I think that helps us learn faster. And, and it, it, it's almost like um, maxing out when you're working out. You know, you could bench 300 pounds or something. I realize a lot of the other issues that I encounter are not as daunting or challenging. You know, I think less than 50% of people pass the CPA. And it's almost like a boiler. Uh, what is a weed out degree, a weed out certification, you know, like a CFP or something or a CFA. But um, once you know you've kind of been tested that way, um, then it's easy to learn a new state's um, regulation. And I'm, I will um, do a lot of research. Um, we have CP requirements as well, continuing uh, education, professional education. And a lot of times we can go to the AICPA, which is the Association of CPAs, and learn directly from them. Um, so that's one thing I, I love, uh, like the internal library of CPAs, if you will, um, which we get credit for studying. But it's also very important for us to know the best way to do it. That's pretty much stamped by the Association of CPAs indirectly. So um, meaning like that we go to their website and get the information. It doesn't necessarily say approved, but they're not going to post um, guidance that they don't approve, basically. Right on. And so if somebody listening right now has been meaning to get their stuff in order, because they are looking to take more advantage of the programs and, and grants and things of that nature that are available to help them scale up and actually build the business of the dreams that they wanted to originally when they set out, but they know they haven't been doing it right. And, you know, they have their CPA, they're always constantly telling stories, but you know what, they know that that's not going the way it's supposed to, or maybe it is, they just don't know how to speak to their CPA and they're not in the market, right? But either one, they're either on the market or they have one already, but aren't being as honest as they possibly could be. What would you say to that person listening right now about the nature of that relationship and about how it is they can make it the best that it can? I would say, um, you know, don't don't beat yourself up. Um, don't beat yourself up is what I would tell them. And I would say, you know, um, it's important to make sure you have the right person. Like any CEO understands quickly. It's important for you to make sure you basically have the right department head over every function that you need, you know, so for accounting and finance, um, is, is their CPA the best person? 
um, maybe it would make sense to get a second opinion. What does that look like? Oh, EB, here, um, I feel like maybe I could have saved some money on taxes last year. Um, here are my financial statements from last year. Here's my tax return. Let me know what you think. You know, I could review that. Or, um, but the easiest way for a business owner, because a lot of times it, it comes down to are they doing things the best way that we know of? You know, is is their process optimized? You know, so once they have a dedicated business account, you know, what are the biggest mistakes I see? When you talk about business owners who maybe aren't doing everything how they should be, if, you know, number one, mixing business and personal is probably the biggest thing that I have to. And I've seen, you know, heads of very large companies get blur the lines with, with what are business expenses and what are personal expenses. Um, and so, you know, I just reiterate that. And I, I relate to them and I say, I understand that may be a one-time thing. You, you definitely have to give them the benefit of the doubt. You definitely have to assume they're acting in good faith. I never am going to have an antagonistic, you know, relationship. You know, one thing I realized, um, CPAs don't have a good reputation for how they communicate with other people. You know, we have a lot of power filing taxes and um, preparing financial statements. And like, there's a lot of information we know about a business owner's money and their, you know, ways to save money or make more money that they don't necessarily know. So, but we still have to be humble about that. You know, you can't make the person feel like you're talking down to them or you're talking to them in a way where, you you don't relate to them or something, right? So um, I just you know once they once I know they're not mixing business and personal, um, then you know what are the other problems? Like, do they care to to um, save for the estimated tax bill, or um, you know are are they running their payroll through a payroll provider like ADP or Gusto? Um, see, a lot of these things can kind of be put on autopilot, you know, if they are running their payroll through Gusto or ADP, a payroll provider, great. You know, if they have a dedicated business account um, and they're not running personal expenses through that, if their accountant has visibility of every business transaction, meaning, you know, their business bank accounts and credit cards are all linked to the accounting system, which is QuickBooks for a lot of people, um, how often do they check in and compare how, how much money they're spending in different areas? And is that helping their revenue grow or is it helping their bottom line grow? So um, these, you know, I don't want a business owner to feel overwhelmed. Like, oh, there's all this finance and accounting stuff that they don't, tax stuff that they're not doing. A lot of times the, the biggest issues that business owners um, face um, are having business transactions or making business transactions that their accountant isn't aware of or their accounting team isn't aware of like in time. So regular communication, you know, um, is very important. I mean, even if someone screws up and get a, gets IRS letters at the State Department of Tax state tax department letters. I've cleaned up some really, you know, big issues. And I've seen some really um, big, scary bills from the IRS or the, the state tax department get canceled or reduced or put on a payment plan for six years. That's very manageable for the business owner. So there's always a solution. There's never been something, I mean, there's some things we don't do like tax resolutions for people, um, like individuals. But um, for business owners, very few things I could see, they could show me, I'm like, oh man, you're, you know, <laughs> you're in trouble. We can't, we can't, um, we can't help you. I'm not going to be, you know, I've seen business owners owe 400,000 to the state tax department and have tax liens and, and stuff. Or um, I've helped people who, 
got us the audit letter, you know, that somebody who grew up a block away from me has a, a business selling alarm systems. And he was doing his own tax return. And he put that he had this huge loss. And the tax return was do it yourself, but it's, he's doing very well. So it's like, you know, he screwed up his tax return. We'll say it was an accident, right? Um, IRS sends him a letter. He's scared. He's like, oh man, you know, what do I do now? I talk to him, you know, a lot of times it helps the business owner a lot because most times people don't have a CPA fighting for them. You know, then we become like a lawyer. It's like the average business owner will be like, have like public defender or they be self-represented when they have a tax problem. But once the IRS representative sees a CPA um, handling it, a lot of the stories about how much people struggle when they try to do it themselves or they go through some other service or something, it's very easy, you know, for me to talk to the IRS. I'm not scared of the IRS at all. You know, I was just on a training with, led by the IRS earlier this week, you know, about uh, internet security plans for CPAs. They, they're, they're, they, the IRS wants us to know how to do everything right. It's, it seems like a gotcha thing almost for the average taxpayer, right? Oh, you need to file your tax return, Phil. But we know how much you're supposed to file. We we know your W-2s. We know your 1099s. If you miss one, you're going to get in trouble. We're going to send you a letter. Um, it's like if you already know how it's supposed to be filed for most people, why don't you just prepare it, you know, a draft uh, like other countries and then say, does this look right? You can click it through or not. It does feel like a gotcha kind of thing, you know, but a lot of, I, I don't think there's many CPAs that are scared of the IRS at all. Number one, like I said, we, we talk to them regularly. Um, we have the opportunity to for training. So it's like, you know, it's like lawyers being trained, a criminal defense lawyer being trained by police departments. You know, it's like, ah, you know, some people get off of cases just because their lawyer knows everybody in the courtroom. You know, they get a lien. They get a lien. So, if a CPA knows how to speak, um, be efficient and get the um, IRS what they're asking for, or explain um, the rhyme or reason, the why the taxpayer submitted this or why they didn't submit this in time, we can clean up a lot of stuff or just give them the lowest penalty available. Yeah. Get, get the lowest penalty available for them. It's like that lawyer who says, hey, I'm going to get the best outcome for you. It, it might still, you know, cost you something, but it at least won't be as bad as it could have been. And that's why it pays to know the people you're working with and to know that the people you're working with know exactly what they're doing and they know the people they need to know. Yeah, man. No, for me, uh, it was really great not only to see how your own journey coming up, uh, put you in a position to really understand business owners, right? Who take that leap and that it wasn't just an instant, instant success, similar to the people who go to a retail store and uh, are looking at clothing and then just leave them unfolded. And they're just going around, you know, like with no concept of what it's like on the other side for the people doing their job, right? Same with waitresses and, and waiters and people who uh, demand a certain level of service, but don't give any respect. It's, it's, so you come from understanding where they're coming from, having Absolutely. been there firsthand. And it shows in, in the way that you've ensured to educate yourself and the people that you're working with and your systems and processes uh, and just your general policy of no judgment when people come to you to really open yourself up to that growth. So I'm actually pretty excited to see about where your company ends up in the next year and the year after that. Uh, but I'm very grateful that you dropped some game, especially towards the end, for people to really keep in mind on how things really work. So with that said, I want to roll out the red carpet for you. Maybe where do you want people to go? What do you want them to do? What do you want them to check out? All right. So if they work to get more information about me, um, my brand is Smart With Money CPA. So if they were to Google that, Smart With Money CPA, my information will come up. But my website is smartwithmoneycpa.com. 
Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, sometimes smart with money is um, abbreviated to SWM. Um, so, um, and it's SWM planning is the, the parent company or the overall company. And then just, that was what I started out with. And, you know, some people think like that's a generic name, SWM planning, especially for CPA office, right? So that's where I spelled it out. Um, and I, I brand under smart with money, CPA, SWM planning, smart with money planning, same thing. Um, and SWM planning comes from, you know, at the end of the day, it's great to have a bunch of uh, records and file your tax returns and stuff. But, you know, um, what, how does this relate to the goal and how close, you know, what is a, what are the business owners goals um, and um, how are their numbers? What do the numbers tell us about how close they are to their goals or what adjustments we should make to help them reach their, their financial goals. So planning is a big part of it, especially when, you know, I'm primarily a finance person at heart. And some people, times people wonder what's the difference between finance and accounting. You know, you, you both are keeping track of numbers and spreadsheets and reports, blah, blah, blah. You know, finance is more about planning and, um, forecasting and budgeting and um, look forward looking. Does the company have enough money for this project? You know, um, it, what is the return on this project? How much did, you know, that they spend on it? And then also, an accounting is more like well, how much money the company make the past quarter, the past year, what's the tax supposed to be, you know, but um, I'm very big on, you know, I, I keep the big picture in mind about the accounting. You know, it's not just, oh, let me get their returns and, and statements done. All right, you know, this is how much tax you owe. Good luck next year. Oh, it's like um, this all comes down to a business owner planning to, to reach a certain goal, even if just to grow more. How, how, what do the numbers tell us and how do we measure? Yeah, man. No, I, I, like I said earlier, uh, it just, it's just clear that you want to be a partner in the success of uh, your clients and not just a transactional situation overlooking transactions, right? Uh, so thank you so much, Evie, for stopping by. I feel like I personally learned a lot today myself, uh, not just about you as an individual, but just about the game of accounting and small business uh, responsibilities to making sure that that's a successful relationship. So thanks for stopping by. Right, right on. Shout out to the Grit Daily Startup and Phil Lanos. Is everyone saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate you.